The Wrestling Podcast About Nothing is brought to you by BDA Radio. BDA Radio doesn't break news, they break the news with their wild commentary regarding MMA and wrestling. Head on over to BDARadio.com and check out all of the latest news on the UFC, Bellator, WWE, and much more. They are proud to be the voice of fans because they are fans themselves. BDARadio.com I think I can sum up the show for you with one word. Nothing. Wrestling fans, there are millions and millions of podcasts out there, but there's nothing like this one. Do you ever just get down on your knees and thank God that you know me and have access to my dementia? This is the wrestling podcast about nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Welcome to episode 34 of the BDA Radio exclusive edition of the wrestling podcast about nothing on BDARadio.com and the Podcast Radio Network. I am longtime pro wrestling referee Mike Crockett, and I'm joined, as always, by independent wrestling veteran, the kingpin, Brian Malonis. Hello. Hello, Michael. What's up? How you feeling? Like a million bucks. Yeah? You told me you were tired. You really wanted to get this done early. I am tired, Mike. Oh, my goodness. We'll try to uh, speed right through this for you. <laughs> No, we don't have to speed through it. We're doing it at a decent hour. You have my undivided attention for at least the next couple moments. Well, that's very nice of you to uh, <laughs> indulge me in that way. But uh, coming up a little later, we'll have Merv Griffin time. That's where we get your thoughts and answer your questions. Plus, one more harrowing howl will be immortalized in our Heal Laugh Hall of Fame. But first... We are discussing a different topic each week, voted on by our listeners and followers at the WPAN on Twitter. And Kingpin, this is all on you. You actually created the poll this week. All four topics were... Yeah, how about those poll options, baby? Four winners right there. <laughs> they all, uh, it was all the Kingpin's idea. And the winning topic, well, Randall Keo was hoping for favorite Saturday night's main event moment. Yeah, that's what I was hoping for, too. That did not win, unfortunately. And, of course, our buddy Mike Mills at Mike504Saints says, Favorite female performer gets my vote. What time are we recording? I got a lot to discuss on the topic. Uh, Well, I had Mike Mills on speed dial. I was ready, but it came down to the wire, and it was not the favorite female performer that came in first place. Hey, Crockett, we talked about it last week on the podcast. We touched upon Sasha Banks talking about wrestling fans who are stalkers. Do you think she just was polite and not talking about Mike Mills by name? (laughs) Can can Mike legally talk about Sasha Banks these days? (laughs) I guess it's probably best that that topic did not win. And I think we'll talk about about that a little later in Merv Griffin time. Uh, I know Mike Mills waited on Twitter about that, so we'll get into that a little later on. But the actual topic that won the poll this week is worst finishing maneuver and i started salivating when i saw this option i rubbing my hands together like um who's the old guy on the simpsons that guy mr burns i haven't watched the simpsons mike in some 15 years i don't think anyone has brian fury has (laughs) yes and I know if I did come up with that name, he'd be all over me. But yeah, he's the last one watching The Simpsons on its 25th season or whatever the hell it is. Uh, it started in 1989. <laughs> but worst finishing maneuver, wins the poll, 
I'm very happy about it. I heard a lot of things last week from people in our lives, Kingpin, Brian, and Lotus. We were, we were at a gathering last Saturday where people give me a lot of guff for my worst tag team name stuff. We'll talk about that later on, too, in Burr Griffin time. But uh, worst finishing maneuver, let's just dive right in head first. There are a lot of bad ones. And I know you probably have quite an extensive list, and I do as well. Not sure we'll get to everything. I'm sure everyone will let us know what we missed on Twitter. Why don't you kick this thing off? Something on your list. Not your top pick, but something that's in the running. Yeah, I'm going to kick it off with one from a current, an active wrestler. Ooh. Yeah, how about that, Mike? Put yourself out there. I like it. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, they're not on the Ring of Honor roster. so oh, Okay, I mean, good. Oof. <laughs> Now, I'm going to go, Mike, with the zigzag by Dolph Ziggler. He jumps so high and so violently, it looks like it. it the impact is way worse on him than, than it is on his opponent. Yeah, this is something that has kind of evolved over time. There's a lot of these moves these days. You know, there's only so many things you can do to an opponent, so you start coming up with different ways to throw a guy through the air and land and yeah, some of them start to look like they're not hurting the right person. I know the big ending, Big E's finisher, you know, he's on the guy's shoulder and then he comes down and it doesn't really look devastating to the opponent per se. But yeah, there's a lot of these. Uh, I'm with you on that. Zigzag is definitely one of those that kind of looks like, yeah, all the impact is on Dolph Ziggler's back. Yeah, and, and for it to be his finisher is just, I, I don't know, I, I just... It doesn't look like a finishing maneuver to me. What about another one that is from a modern-day current superstar? And this one, it's almost like I'm going back to last week with worst tag team name. This is the worst finisher name, perhaps of all time. Uh Uh-oh. The skull-crushing finale. (laughs) I mean, I won't say it's the worst finisher of all time, but just based on that ridiculous, stupid, asinine name, how do you come up with a skull-crushing finale? What What is that? First time I heard Michael Cole say it, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's just <laughs> dumb. Somebody <laughs> the, is salty this week. <laughs> the skull-crushing finale. I don't get it. Is it like uh, related to some movie somehow that I'm not aware of? I uh, I don't know. I really, I really I I'm at a loss, Mike. I'm I'm at a loss. <laughs> I don't I don't know. But yeah, skull crushing finale. That's another. That's my current day finisher. That I'll just say uh, stakes. Um, what else you got there, Kingpin? How about I know? We'll stay current, Mike. We'll stay current okay. right now. Female superstar this time. Uh oh. Yeah, we're going to go the Bailey to Belly, which is really just a belly to belly suplex. How the hell is that a finisher in 2017? There were a lot of guys through the years, though, that have used a belly to belly as a finish. I know Magda TA, I know Shane Douglas used a belly to belly. But yeah, I mean, I can see your point with everything that's going on today. People doing triple flips into double boot stomps off the top rope. <laughs> it's uh, a belly to belly is a little simple for today's wrestling. Yeah, I agree. And it's not, it's, I mean, it's like an okay belly to belly. It's not like uh, anything special. Well, she does trap the arm. She does. Which is nice. 
I don't know. Like, I, I think it would be a nice move as part of her moves, like her move set. But the finisher, I don't know. I'm not. Uh, I'm not buying it, Mike. I'm not having it. <laughs> not having it, huh? All right. Um. Well, well, we'll let you have that one, Kingpin. All right. Let's go back a little ways. I mean, we love the gentleman. We love his theme song. We talked about that on the favorite entrance music episode. But the shake. Rattle and roll. <laughs> Just a swinging neckbreaker, folks. How dare you be smart to shake, rattle, and roll? <laughs> That's all it is. Just a neckbreaker. But he he shakes his ass. He swings the guy's arms and then hits it. So I guess <laughs> that swing of the arms. That's everything that adds impact times ten. Yeah, swinging neckbreaker as a finishing maneuver. I think I've outdone your uh, belly to Bailey there with the swing and neckbreaker finish. How dare you, Mike? That is the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. <laughs> he very well may be. Let's talk about one that's really dumb. The Polish hammer. It's like a spinning double axe handle to the chest. Oh, my goodness. Uh, hopefully, Handsome Johnny isn't listening to this right now. Warbeard Hanson. <laughs> hopefully, he's not on a bus in Japan just uh, tearing the seat apart listening to this. <laughs> handsome Johnny did use the handsome hammer at one point. We will say it wasn't a finish for him, though. So no, it was. It wasn't a finish. And I had to sell that stupid shit. <laughs> <laughs> did you bump? Of course I did. You bumped for that? <laughs> I bumped. Oh my goodness! But yeah, okay. As a finish, maybe not the best thing in the world. No, is it maybe not the best? It's one of the worst. That's why it's on the list. It is on the list. How about sticking in that time period? The three-point stance. Hacksaw Jim Duggan. <laughs> it was a clothesline, folks. Just a clothesline. And not even like a JBL-like clothesline either. Yeah, he didn't dive onto him. He didn't throw his arm right through the guy's head. It was literally a clothesline, but he got down on a three-point stance beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> the three-point stance. One of the worst finishing doers of all time. Not my worst, but it's definitely on the list and definitely up there on the list. Something else, Kingpin? Yeah. What What about, Mike? This would be like late 80s, early 90s. The Texas Tornado's Tornado Punch. Very stupid. Well, he spun around in a circle first. <laughs> Add so much momentum. It does, right? <laughs> He's the Texas tornado pal. <laughs> but the thing right? that yeah, but the thing that wears him down is he puts a claw on him for a few seconds first. That's a really, uh, you know, jeez. That's a really makes the guy woozy. It's a punch and again it's not even a good punch. <laughs> a lot of momentum on that thing. Appara- apparently, he's he's very <laughs> tornado like. You saw you saw Mr. Perfect sell that thing at SummerSlam? Jesus. Shouldn't he have hit him with like his club foot instead? Oh, come on. Now you're getting into our vantage point territory. You're still in their gimmick. My goodness. All right. (laughs) Moving on, Brian. Moving on. Do you remember Arachnaman? Nope. (laughs) In WCW? I think we've talked about him in the past because there was a problem with Marvel Comics in that his outfit looked strikingly similar to Spider-Man's. Only it was, instead of red and blue, it was purple and yellow. 
So Arachnaman, who was played by uh, Brad Armstrong, was in WCW for a time period, the early to mid-90s, closer to the earlier 90s. And his finisher was an abdominal stretch into a cradle. All right. <laughs> yeah. Exciting. We're supposed to like simulate like tying them up in like a spider's web. Is that what he's doing? So I, I think maybe. Yeah, I think there might be something to that. But when you think Spider Man, you think dynamic, exciting, pow, bang, boom. You don't think about an abdominal stretch. <laughs> what do you think about again, Mike? <laughs> Whip, bam, boom. You don't <laughs> think of uh, you know doing an abdominal stretch and then weekly collapsing into a cradle for the recount. That's what I think of when I think of Spider-Man. <laughs> then Arachnaman is for you. Go back, seek him out. <laughs> You'll find uh, minutes and minutes of fun with Arachnaman. <laughs> uh, okay, as we're winding down here, I think, I mean, well, we could go all night with this one, as with most of these topics that we come up with here. But uh, a couple more, I guess, before we get to our number one picks, Brian Malonis. I'm going to go with the Cobra. Oh, boy. Very silly. Very stupid. They probably made a couple bucks off it because they came up with the stupid arm sleeve, but it was tapping your fingers into th- their side of their neck. Guys guys had to lose to this. <laughs> <laughs> not not many guys, though. Let's just say that. <laughs> Santino didn't have the most stellar one-loss record. Yeah, but... one guy. If one person lost to it, it was too many. <laughs> All right, uh, Cobra, okay, I'll take that. How about going way back? What about the heart punch? It's been used a number of times over the years. Mike, I can't condemn this move. Come on. Why? Why? Who was one of the most famous people to use it? Ox Baker. There you go. Come on. Oh, your former, your former manager. Yes, I can't go against Ox. Okay, well, let's talk about Crush's heart punch after Crush came back from jail with the tattoo across his forehead. <laughs> he, he used the heart punch. He did get out of jail, didn't he? He certainly That's did. Shoot, went, brother. He did. He came right back. Clarence Mason got him out and brought him back to the WWF, and he used a heart punch for a period of time. And yeah. That goes right along with his other stupid finisher, the head squeezing one there. That's on my list as well. <laughs> that is on my list as well. Crush never had a finisher that was uh, anything other than completely ridiculous. The head crush. And little known fact, I actually might have mentioned it on this podcast once before, but little known fact, I was actually shown on TV with my friends during a crush squash match doing the crush hand motion over my head. <laughs> I believe it was in Lowell, Massachusetts. Very happy. Was it a Monday Night Raw? I I think it was probably a Superstars taping at this point. It might have been pre-Raw, oh. but it was a squash match. And we're gleefully doing the crush hand motion as he squeezes someone's head like a pineapple. Oh, I wish it was a Monday Night Raw so we could go pull that up on the network. If somebody has the time, go back and scour the internet for crush <laughs> squash matches. somebody, yeah. I, I, and it, let's I know, find this video of Mike Crockett. I know I have it in a, on a uh, VHS tape somewhere, but of I mean, I have hundreds of VHS <laughs> tapes. I used to just record raw every week for no particular reason. But yeah, I don't think that might be gone for good. All right. We're getting down to it, Kingpin. You got uh, any more before you get to your number one pick? Yeah, I'll give you one more, Mike. One that I liked, but ultimately 
pretty damn stupid. The worm. Oh boy. Yeah, I mean it was essentially just a chop to the head. <laughs> like while the guy was laying down. The actual dance doesn't add anything to it. Speaking of chops to the head, I'll like Kali's finish. I don't know. You you take that one, you let me you let me know. Uh, <laughs> You've heard that's a finish? <laughs> I don't know if I've heard it. I would assume that it's a finish. Yes. It might, it might be the finish of your life. <laughs> that guy has a giant hand. He sure does. The okay, the worm. Getting back to your pick. Uh a little hokey, but that that's the attitude error, right? What about your boy the rock? That's attitude error stuff. People's elbow, right? What's wrong with the people's elbow? Ridiculousness. What, no, Mike, Mike, we're doing we're doing the, the worst here, not the best. Oh boy. So I shouldn't talk about your other boy? What do you mean my other boy? The centerpiece of your promotion? Uh, I knew you were going to go there. I knew it. <laughs> when it comes crashing down and it doesn't look like it hurts inside. <laughs> That's the atomic leg drop, ladies and gentlemen. Uh. <laughs> I bought it back in the day. I mean, you can make anything a finish if no one kicks out of it. And really, no one kicked out of it. But in the other day, it was a leg drop, right? Right, Brian? You there? Yeah, I'm here. Hello. <laughs> I'm here. Again, I, uh, we're, we're not talking about the best. We're talking about the worst. I think you're confused on the subject here. Okay. Well, I guess you better uh, set me straight here with your top pick. The very worst finishing maneuver of all time, according to the kingpin, Brian Malonis. Lay it on me, brother. Thank you, Michael. Well, I'm going to go with, and the reason why I'm going with this one is because of the position that this person ultimately ended up in in WWE, or WWF to be more more accurate. And notice I said the word ultimately. Oh. Because, Mike, what I'm going with here, the worst finishing maneuver in wrestling history, the ultimate warriors press slam into a terrible splash. Garbage. Absolute garbage. It's it's a splash. It's a goddamn splash. This guy was the WWF champion, built like a brick shit house. He couldn't come up with anything better than a splash. He's not even a fat guy. <laughs> That's what you're taking offense to? The fact that he's taking maneuvers from the more portly gentleman in professional <laughs> wrestling? No, because I I don't think a fat guy should even use the splash as a finisher. It's a friggin' splash. This is your worst of all time? Yes, he was the he was the WWF champion, the guy anointed to beat Hulk Hogan. Oh boy. And this was his now finisher. we know what it's all about. This okay, is what Hulk ahead. Hogan had to lose to at WrestleMania 6. Are you kidding oh. me? Oh my god. So this not just a splash, it was in conjunction with a press slam where he dropped the guy right in his face. But it's not finishing maneuvers, it's finishing maneuver. So if you have to do something to set it up every time, it's it's stupid. But I I I say the press slam is the finisher and the splash that's just like he's going to pin the guy. No, no, no. No, no. It was the splash was the finisher, Mike. That's what he hit him with before he pinned him. Oh my god. King, this is, there is so many more ridiculous finishing maneuvers still left on the table that I don't Again, think Again, I I said when you take into consideration, it's a weighted scale, Mike. This guy was was a main eventer. He was supposed to be the guy that was going to take over for the Hulkster. 
And he made you cry at WrestleMania 6, and you're still bitter about it. <laughs> that has nothing to do with it. <laughs> I think it does everything to do with it. Can't believe it. I mean, we didn't even get to Bastion Booger. Bastion Booger's finished. We talked about that before in this very podcast. I didn't bring it up when we were talking about it, because I figured that was going to be your number one. No, that is not my number one. It is not. But I did look at this online, and for some reason... Everywhere I looked, they called it the Chip to the Bat Cave. Yeah, I, I, I saw that as well, and I'd never had heard that before. It strikes me as one of those things that Bobby Heenan just said on commentary that caught on, kind of like the Papoose to go for <laughs> Tatanka's finish, or and the Flying Burrito for Tito Santana. It's not really actually what they're called, but it just ended up being what it was called because you heard Bobby Heenan say it, or Jesse Ventura with the Flying Burrito. Jesse Ventura's commentary in general with Tito Santana was offensive. It certainly was. Chico? Who, Chico? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Bastion Booker sitting on your face. I would put that over the Ultimate Warrior. But that is not my number one pick, Brian. Oh, let me just get one more in before I get to my number one. My, let's say my first runner-up. A gentleman we've talked about a number of times, Fantasio, who made (laughs) one appearance on television. He's a magician, and his finisher was he took the guy's underwear off and schoolboyed him. <laughs> that was his finish. And Tony DeVito, who later became a baldy, was the victim. He had his underwear ripped off. He was rolled up. One, two, three. That was the guy's finishing maneuver. Still not my number one pick, but a very close second place to my number one pick for the worst finishing maneuver ever. This man was actually spoken about. His name was talked about last week on this very podcast. You weren't gone by this time because you were off drafting your 12 fantasy football teams. (laughs) But this gentleman was mentioned by name during the Heal Laugh Hall of Fame. His name is Ronnie Garvin. His finishing maneuver, the Garvin Stomp. <laughs> the Garvin goddamn stomp. You you remember this, right? I sure do. The guy was on the mat, prone on his back, his arms and legs like askew like a starfish, and Ronnie Garvin would proceed to stomp each appendage. Go all the way around the gentleman, ending with his head, then pinning him. One, two, three. Randy Orton would later do the Garvin Stomp. Oh, yeah. Strangely enough, do you remember that at one point? He was doing the Garvin Stomp. How could I forget it, Mike? Because it became one of the flavors of the month at the CTC uh, and the teachings. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, so over like how simple it was yet genius type of thing. Oh, I can't. Okay, I see it. I know what you're talking about. All right. Yeah. But then Randy Orton also has the RKO, and that's his finish. You're never going to see the Garvin stomp out of nowhere because it takes about a minute and a half to do. (laughs) And why would you just lay there? Yes. He stomps on your arm. Shit, I'm going to get up. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those things where you needed uh, squash matches to get something like that over. I don't think anyone worth their salt, anyone who's ever gotten a win on TV at that time, I don't think anyone laid down and took the Garvin stomp unless they were hit with a friggin' brick. Is that what Ric Flair lost to? 
I think not. No, no, that was pre Garmin Stomp. That was that was in the NWA when his finish was a punch. So, because <laughs> he had the hands of stone in the NWA, Ronnie Garvin. So what you're saying is Ronnie Garvin was really creative. Yes, he evolved from a punch to multiple stomps. And that, my friends, is a finishing maneuver, and to me, the worst finishing maneuver of all time. Uh, how do you feel about that? Uh, I, I think it's up there, buddy. I think that's a solid number one pick. Thank you. And yours, not solid at all. Yes. you. you uh, okay, do you just want to make my list for me? Because we do this list thing all the time, and then during the entire episode, every time I list something, you just tell me why my pick stinks. <laughs> would you just like to make my list for me every time no like the fun part is telling you that you're wrong right <laughs> my opinion is wrong <laughs> yes <laughs> and we want to hear the opinion of all the people out there listening let us know how wrong the kingpin is for having the ultimate warrior his splash as his worst finishing maneuver let us know what your worst finishing maneuver is at the WPAN on Twitter, just like everyone did this past week, because it's Merv Griffin time, folks, named for Brian's favorite episode of our favorite show, Seinfeld. And of course, we do the voicemails over on the NAI Wrestling Network edition of the podcast. Get yours in right now. We will play it on that show this coming Monday. The number is 401-584-9726. That's 401-584-WPAN. That's all this Monday, and if you're not listening every Monday, you're missing out. Join us on the New Age Insiders Wrestling Network. There's a big transition going on right now. We started on the uh, NAI Network, and now that feed is becoming NAI Pop. They're adding a pop culture channel, and so we are transitioning from that channel over to the New Age Insiders original feed, and that will become the new New Age Insiders Wrestling Network. Right now, we're on both. Where's the inside perspective falling? That is falling by the wayside. <laughs> so make sure you subscribe to the New Age Insiders original feed. It is now labeled the New Age Insiders Wrestling Network. That's where we're going to be exclusively after October 1st, every Monday. So make sure you find that. Search WPAN on your favorite podcast platform. You can find all those feeds. Make sure you subscribe to everyone and join us all week long. But the way to participate here on BDA Radio, on Merv Griffin Time, is using our hashtag on Twitter, hashtag WPAN. And we talked about him at the top of the program. We're always talking about the host of Booking the Territory, pro wrestling podcast, Mike Mills. He says, Total Bellas Season 2 airs tonight. I'm sure at Crocsox will have a full report for us in the Monday episode of the WPAN. I don't watch that show. Brian, do you watch that show? No, no, I can't say that I do. You were forced to watch some Total Divas programs at one point, weren't you? Yeah, I think I think I think uh, my wife got into it for about half a season and then completely fell out of it. Thank God. <laughs> I, I I will say this: at some points, it was the most entertaining program that WWE had put out, but not for the reasons that they were intending to. Yeah, I, I caught a couple episodes. It's 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 it's. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's ho it's hokey horse shit, as uh, <laughs> Mike Mills would say. They can't decide half the time if wrestling's a work or if it's real, <laughs> right? Uh, so Mike Mills enjoys that part of it. I'm sure the fact that they treat wrestling as 
completely legitimate for, for half the time. So hopefully we hear from Mike regarding what's going on with all the E WWE reality shows or hopefully not actually. Last week, we've talked about it. Worst tag team names. Got a lot of feedback in person, Kingpin, but also we got some feedback on Twitter over this. Tony S, at Referee Tony S, of course. He is one half of the Check in the Boots wrestling podcast. You can find them. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all those podcasting locations. They do it every Sunday talking about the past and the present of professional wrestling. He says, two of WCW's best, parentheses, yeah, right, the Boogie Knights and Totally Buff. Who was Totally Buff? Apparently, it's Lex Luger and Buff Bagwell. Huh. I guess they're a tag team, and that's one of those combo names that we talked about. Just take two pieces of the guy's names or just take their names themselves and just mash them up, and that is a tag team. No, it's not a tag team. Stinks. Totally buff. Yes, I agree, Tony. Not good. Not good at all. I had forgotten about the Boogie Knights. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think that's in the... uh, worst i mean it's not great but i don't think it's a terrible tag team name right um i think it's pretty bad oh, okay. <laughs> it's clever but it's bad clever how can it be bad if it's clever <laughs> it's referencing a movie about a like the porn industry <laughs> well i guess how could you put the number one on your list a, a team you owned a damn t-shirt for Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right, uh, Tony also says, kudos on TNA's Voodoo Kin Mafia, but how about the infamous Three Live Crew? Which, yeah, that was, I mean, there was a rap group called Two Live Crew, so there's three guys, so they called it Three Live Crew. Uh, I don't I don't remember this at all. I don't even know who it was. Uh, I think one was um, Brian Armstrong, uh, you know, Jesse James. One, I think, was Conan, and it might have been... Ron Killings, our truth. Really, might have been those three. Yeah, something like that. Like the early days of TNA. Yeah, it was. It was the pay per view days, I believe. Yeah, I have no knowledge of this. He says also throw Generation Me and the Rock and Rave Infection in it as well. Generation Me was the Young Bucks, right? Yes, the Rock and Rave Infection. They were. Um, who was it? It was Lance Archer, who is now in New Japan, tagging with Davey Boy Smith Jr. And Jimmy Rave. So the Rock and Rave, and they came out with like rock band guitars and stuff like that. Just like, what the fuck is going on? And why is it an infection? I don't understand. Yeah, that is definitely good picks, Tony S. Thank you for your input on that. You know what I realized? I have no knowledge of TNA wrestling at all. I'll let you borrow my TNA Year One documentary DVD. You know, I think I'm good, buddy. No, you're good? Okay. I think I'm good, yeah. Maybe we'll give that away on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> See if anyone tries to claim it. <laughs> I might be waiting the a while. The best of is it, is it must be a short DVD, huh? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Glenn Abbott, our friend at GA WrestleNut. Surprised Butch and Luke didn't get a mention when they went from bushwhackers to messing around with sheep as the sheep herders. <laughs> Other way around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The sheep herders were actually first, and then it was the bushwhackers. Yeah, I mean, that's down there on the list. It's not near the top for worst tag team names of all time. No, I like the bushwhackers. <laughs> I guess it didn't end up on my list, but it was in my head. Their finisher. 
If you're talking about any tag team finishers. <laughs> the battering ram? <laughs> no. Because the battering ram at first, it might have become a finish, but it wasn't their finish at first. The battering oh. ram was a setup for them to both pick the guy up and drop him stomach first on both of their knees. And that was their finishing maneuver. They hit the battering ram, then do that and pin the guy. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, that was a bad finisher, and that should have ended up on my list. But I, it was in my head, but I don't think I got it, actually got it down on paper. So glad I can get that. Thank you, Glenn, for jogging my memory there about the Bushwhackers and their shitty finisher. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Last thing here on the worst tag team names, Jim Baker at Mr. Jim B underscore 920 says, what about the dicks? Certainly that must rank up there. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah, but at the same time, I said this to him on Twitter, Jim, that's just an all-around bad gimmick, bad idea, bad concept. I mean, that, that thing is just not just the name. That's, that's the entire thing that kind of gets away, I think, from what we're going for with the worst tag team names. It's guys that could even be great tag teams. I said the Brain Busters was one of my bad tag team names. But I, I, in my opinion, the tag team name didn't fit the team, didn't go with the team, kind of detracted from the team. What about the heartthrobs? <laughs> the heartthrobs. That's, I mean, that's okay. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we might want to stay away from Cook saying anything too bad about the heartthrobs. <laughs> yeah, I might, might want to stay away from that. But the Dicks, I mean, they were six feet under before they even came up with the name. Moving on to uh, stuff from this past Monday. This Monday, we talked about all the wrestling news that we missed, all the things that are driving the internet fans bonkers. We got into all of it. The IWC. The IWC, yes. Uh, Dave Rodriguez, Picture Dave. He is at Picture underscore Dave, says, Sexy Star definitely will be blackballed from the business. No one wants her in the locker room. What did you say about her, Kingpin, on this past Monday? Well, the, uh, like, you know, she should definitely feel the heat over it. But I'm just a general. If somebody makes a, a mistake, they should be punished. And if as long as they are humble and learn from their mistake, they, I don't think somebody should lose their entire career over it. But it doesn't sound like she's all that humble and uh, apologetic about it. Right. And you get a little nervous about the mob mentality with social media you mentioned. Yeah, just in general with anything, not just this, but with anything, there, there is that mob mentality with social media. A lot of times people are, are even uneducated about a subject and they see somebody spouting off on it. Oh, I want to jump on that bandwagon. Right. Something else that definitely got the Twitterverse talking is the Sasha Banks stuff with the fans that we mentioned at the top of the show you mentioned at the top of the show uh randall keogh at randall keogh on twitter says question did randy orton get the same amount of criticism for yelling at the guy taking his picture while he was working out and he did get he did get a fair amount of criticism this. you don't remember this the guy was no. in the gym and randy gave him a hard time he promised to take pics of them after the guy after he was done with his workout but the guy didn't want to wait I think Rand is trying to get the fact that it's, you know, there might be a double standard there when it comes to all the males in the internet wrestling community kind of being upset with Sasha for not giving them the time of day. Uh, um, I don't I don't know about that. I don't I don't know about a double standard. I mean, I I don't fundamentally disagree with what she said. What what I kind of disagree with is I don't know if I go on a, on a very public forum and, and say the things she did. When I have a lucrative job with a publicly traded company, 
and I have a brand that I'm, you know, I want to market. You just don't want to, I, I don't know. There are ways, I think, to when you're in the public eye to handle things and maybe not handle things. And I'm going to guess her employer didn't love her going on the podcast and calling wrestling fan. Again, That's it's one of those things that just can be taken completely out of context when you just see the quotes isolated by themselves and... It can. It just. It's again. I. I don't fundamentally disagree with what she said. It. it some of the fandom stuff. Um. I look at and it's way beyond me. And I think it's. It's crazy. But at the same time, I. I. I don't think I'd go on a. A podcast and call people stalkers or creepy or anything of that nature. You know. That's all. That's all I was saying. And Mike Mills says he agrees to a point with you, but. He says being stalked at 4 a.m. is absurd. She was just answering Robert's specific question about that event that the airline gave her her arrival information out to these fans, which I mean, you said categorically that's ridiculous and shouldn't happen. That's a kind of an invasion of privacy, an invasion of someone's. It is, but that's more to me. That's more on the airline. Why are they giving out that information? Right. That's I mean crazy for the fan to ask, but I mean that's ultimately on on the the airline. And again, I mean, she has done far more interviews at this point than I than than you or I have ever done. And you know, and we were coached on this when, or at least I was. I don't know if you ever were, but we went through stuff like this at the CTC in training, talking about like if you're ever interviewed by the media, you know. Just give the p. There might not be the most entertaining answers, but sometimes the best answer when you're somebody who's in the public eye and working for a company like WWE is to just give the stock answer. You know. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you just gotta grin and bear it, especially uh, uh, when you're out there with these people, with the fans. Yeah, I mean, aside from a, the the WWE brand which she's representing, she has her own brand in which she, she you know makes her living by people buying her as a as a character and buying merchandise things like that it's just one of those I, I i don't think it's like i don't think it's like this career devastating thing i just i i don't think it was the the right thing to do to go on a, the the podcast and say those things not and not from a standpoint of her being wrong uh about about her feelings more just from the standpoint of it's just i don't think that's something i'd put out there in a public forum that's all all right TK at THOG94, the EP of the WPAN. He said, confused this morning when at the WPAN complimented Mike Mills right away, but it was business as usual by the end of the cast with insults. <laughs> we love Mike Mills. Give him a hard time. He gives us a hard time. That's how it goes, right, Kingpin? Hey, I think your feud with him is worse than mine at this point. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, okay. Glenn Abbott at GA WrestleNut talking about the draft. We revealed this past Monday that the vote was 50-50. It was a dead heat, an absolute tie on who drafted the better fantasy wrestling promotion between the Kingpin and myself. He says 50-50 was a fair result of the draft poll, but I think, Croc sucks, you lost a victory by adding EC3 to your promotion. Yeah, the people who think I won, that seems to be the popular consensus. Is EC3 cost you it? I never knew that he had, he was such a polarizing figure in pro wrestling. <laughs> All right. Steven at HHHGuy2004 says, even if What You're Gonna Do Wrestling didn't win, that's an ABR promotion, Brian, Hogan must pose, brothers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hogan must pose. Get your official t-shirt today. Yes. And finally... 
here on Merv Griffin Time, as always. It is the question of the week with David Raddy. He asks, what is the farthest distance that both of you have had to travel to perform at a wrestling show? Well, I, I will say that mine was uh, actually for the Ring of Honor top prospect tournament. It was about a 10-hour drive to to Pittsburgh in perfect weather. <laughs> and uh, it certainly wasn't perfect weather. On the way there, I skidded off the road. took me about... Uh, I think 11, 11 and a half hours with that detour. And then on the way back, uh, we drove back like in a blizzard. And it was about 13 and a half hours back. So I would say, yeah, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania is the farthest I've had to drive to perform in wrestling. Jeez, imagine driving all that way and the destination is fucking Pittsburgh. (laughs) (laughs) That's the goal. That's the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, you know, Mike, when you're going to go perform on international TV, something you know nothing about. (laughs) My goodness. Uh, For me, I had to have been going to Jim Kettner's shows, and it's not something I did just once. I did it for uh, at least a year. But it was lucrative. (laughs) Boy. (laughs) You can go back and listen to uh, that. You can go back and listen. What, what, What episode was that? Jesus, what were we talking about? I don't know at this point. <laughs> One of the Monday episodes where I talked about my huge payday I got for driving at least seven hours down to Delaware once a month with various uh, wrestlers in tow, including our friend Kingpin Brian Malonis. Yeah, that was uh, the furthest I did and probably for the least <laughs> in terms of <laughs> professional wrestling paydays. But I did it and I did it all for love. For the love of the game, right, Kingpin? That's what you're telling yourself at this point, at least, right? Yes. Uh, so thank you to everyone, including David Arati and everyone else who is a part of Merv Griffin Time this week. And we look forward to talking to you on Twitter. And we'll bring you the best of it next week on the wrestling podcast about nothing on BDARadio.com. All right. The Facebook group, Putting Over Podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a great place to talk about all pro wrestling podcasts, not just the WPAN. Everybody's there. A whole bunch of podcasters, a whole bunch of podcast fans, and the conversation is a lot of fun. We really hope you'll join us. Just search Putting Over Podcasts on Facebook. Join. We will approve you very quickly, very swiftly, and you can come and join in on the conversation. We'd love to have you over there. Putting Over Podcasts the Facebook group. And we've mentioned them a number of times, Booking the Territory. They do it twice a week, Sundays and Thursdays. And Checking the Boots every Sunday with Chip and Tony and the Rundown Wrestling Podcast with Jason and Troy. Every Thursday is their flagship show. Plus, you got the Rundown Sit-Downs. You got Nitro Mania. You got the NXT Flashback Show. There's a new show with Sal running down every WrestleMania of all time, starting with WrestleMania 1. So be sure to check that out all on the Rundown Wrestling Podcast feed. They always put us over. We're putting them over. And thank you very much to them, to Mike Mills, to Chip and Tony, to everyone who uh, is supporting the wrestling podcast about nothing. Thank you very much. Finally, on this podcast, we have made the effort to establish a very unique, very exclusive Hall of Fame. Now, in life, as in wrestling, the number one way to tell people that you're up to no good is through laughter. I hearken back to the immortal words of one Tarzan Taylor. This past Saturday night, he was all dressed up 
in a suit. He looked like a million bucks. And he said to me, he said, Mike, all it takes is that one over-exaggerated guffaw to let everyone know you're pure evil. He said this to you the other night. Yes. And then I said, congratulations, Tarzan. And he said, thank you. So with that said, I am humbly submitting this week's inductee to the wrestling podcast about nothing's Heel Laugh Hall of Fame. The gentleman is standing by right now, Bam Bam Bigelow, the beast from the east of the great state of New Jersey. Bam Bam, uh, I understand you've got a new manager. Is that true? No, no, no. You got it all hey, wrong. Hey, what's that behind you, Bam Bam? This is my main screen. What do you mean, manager? What do you mean? And when you talk to him, you call him Mr. Bigelow. <laughs> uh, Mr. Bigelow, you're going to be here in the U.K. on this upcoming tour. And, uh, boy, it sure reads like the who's who of the World Wrestling Federation. Well, I mean, virtually every top star is going to be here. Ah, top star, top star. I'm the only top star you're going to see in the U.K. Because the last time I was there, I set the place on fire. And this time... It's going down Wait a in a ball of flames. There is another top name that is on this great card. It just happens uh, to be Tatanka, the great Native oh, American. Yeah. I got something for Tatanka. You know, he embarrassed me in front of millions of TV viewers. He jumped me from behind. You jumped him from behind. He jumped me first. So I got even. That's right. I got even, all right. I not only cut his hair... But I scalped him, and I got it in the bag. <laughs> uh, what about Luna Vachon, your main squeeze? What role is she going to be playing in your career? Well, you just have to buy a ticket and find out, Gene. Uh, Luna, do you have anything to say, darling? You know I do. Oh. The beads of sweat that Bammer brings to Tatanka's brow will roll down his soul and turn the steam, fogging what he fears the nose. Bam, bam, Bigelow. Thank you, bam, bam. <laughs> bam, bam, Bigelow. Luna Vachon. Bam, bam, Bigelow, not really known for his promo skills. Now known for his heel laugh. What do you think? I don't know if it was the best heel laugh of all time, but the, the Luna Vachon was awesome. <laughs> yeah, she uh, was uh, pleased as well. So this is a twofer. It's a twofer. You get your Bam Bam, you got your Luna, and you got your Heel Laugh Hall of Famers. Thank you very much. Check them out in all their glory using the link to the video in the description of this episode, or you go to the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing page on BDARadio.com. Before we slide out of here, Kingpin, you're packing your bags, about to hit those highways and those byways this weekend, doing that pro wrestling gimmick. One more time, where are you headed? I'm heading to Woburn, Mike. Friday night, chaotic wrestling. The New England title tournament, I'm not in it. <laughs> but I'll be in attendance, and I'm always there and always there to entertain, buddy. So check out chaoticwrestling.com for ticket and full card information. I did see that you'll be signing a contract to face Elia Markopoulos for the Chaotic Wrestling Heavyweight Championship this Friday. Yes, and nothing ever happens interesting at contract signings. So Nope, it's just a very civil affair. Yeah, yeah, very formal. Very. Uh, we'll sit down and put pen to paper and make it official and... Both go our separate ways, I'm sure. Wear a suit. <laughs> I don't own a suit. Oh, okay. <laughs> what else you got? That's it this weekend, buddy. That's it? Okay. Nice easy weekend. Football on Sunday, baby. 
Book the Kingpin. Book him on a Sunday so we can't watch his football. Email brianmalonis at comcast.net or DM him on the Twitter at brianmalonis. And for more on the wrestling podcast about nothing and to check out BDA Radio's MMA podcast, A Man Walks Into an Armbar with the Armbar Boys, Chad Alden, and Paul St. Amon Jr., head on over to your home for MMA and wrestling talk. That's bdaradio.com. All right. We'll be back on Monday with episode 74 of the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing on the NAI Wrestling Network. Then you can catch us back here for the next edition of the WPAN on BDARadio.com and the Podcast Radio Network. Until then, he is the Kingpin Brian Malonis. I'm Mike Crockett. Big ups to Mucko. And thanks for nothing.